Available at farmnewsnow.com or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Agriculture through a modern lens. This is the AgriPod with Alice McFarland. For this episode, I've picked two of my favorite stories from the archives and combined them into a unique episode. First, Bob Tosh, a farm and family advisor with MNP. The process of transitioning the farm from one generation to the next is a long and difficult process. And what makes it so difficult is each family farm is unique and no single approach will work for everyone. Bob will discuss the roadblocks, the importance of being heard, the difference between succession planning and estate planning, and the first steps of getting the conversation started. Control your money so it does not control you. Vanessa Stockbroker is a former investment banker on Toronto's Bay Street who went on to found and run Women's Sense. She says having more money does not necessarily fix things. Instead, people need a strategy or action plan to achieve their financial goals. But what happens when that business is a farm? To reduce stress, she says people must have power and control over their finances. Vanessa discusses strategies for dealing with some of the big decisions, including when to save, when to spend, and when to pay down debt. After the break, Bob Tosh. Digging into the topics that matter to you, the AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Farm and Family Business Advisor Bob Tosh with MNP, and we're talking about that sticky subject of passing the family farm on to the next generation. Bob, the mere mention of farm transition planning will make even the toughest farmer cringe. It certainly is a topic that we dance around a lot. So what makes it so tough? Why does everyone is so difficult and I, I honestly think it's a combination of factors it's not like just one thing and if we just fix this one thing everyone's going to start running around and doing um, this kind of work firstly there's a there's a kind of resistance to the emotional aspect so there's a re- there's a fear that you know we're going to open Pandora's box we're going to find out that people um, want different things and we have no real coping me- mechanism for that and um, at the end of the day if I, I feel I don't want to address this so I'm avoiding conflict which is what we all try and do then not dealing with it is the easy easiest approach and so in family dynamics then you will find the people will avoid conflict. If they feel there's going to be that, then there's going to be people who just say, well, we don't have to even worry about it because here's what the rules are and this is what's going to happen. So I'm not necessarily concerned with what other people think. And then you have people who probably really don't know what it is that they're supposed to do. Like nobody's actually said, here's the 101 on succession planning or, or intergenerational transition. So where do they start? And, so, and they, might, they might honestly think, well, I've done it because I've done my will or I've done it because I have a retirement plan. And so there's just, there's just a number of factors about why this is such a, a challenging subject for, for people. Is there something unique about farmers themselves when we're talking about succession as opposed to maybe other business people? For, for farmers especially who are very kind of traditional, so there's a very traditional approach to this discussion. And um, 
probably not the best communicators. So there's a reluctance to, to get involved in, in something that becomes a little more emotional. And then just a, a kind of value equation. And I always say this, that, that it's like, it's such a, a, a qualitative process. There's no, it's not quantitative. You can't measure it. You can't weigh it. You can't kick it. And that's tough, especially farm families, because they're trying to figure out, well, what have I got for all of this? And what's, and my investment in time, but especially my investment in money to do this. And it's not necessarily something that you have a certain outcome. You know, like I go in and get my tax return done. I know I'm going to get my tax return done. It's going to be filed. There's a certain quantitative process. If I engage in succession planning, I don't know what the outcome is going to be. I can't control the outcome. And it appears and feels kind of expensive to have something that you don't necessarily get what you want at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Those are all kind of layers of resistance to doing. And then there's a lot of confusion, <laughs> a lot of noise out there in the business world that says, oh, this is how you should do it, or I can do it for free, or, um, you know, there's, there's approaches to this work which are much less collaborative and much more, I'm going to tell you what the answer is. And so, it's, yeah, it's a confusing time commitment that has an uncertain outcome that might cause emotional upset and angst in the family. I really enjoy professional speaker, uh, author, and farmer Jolene Brown, and uh, she declared the three biggest lies of succession planning, and it really hits the mark. Jolene came out with this, and it's, it sits very well with me. The three biggest lies are, are one day all of this will be yours, one day I'm going to retire, and uh, don't worry about your brothers and sisters because they don't care. So those are the three biggest lies, and they're very, very valid. And there's things that we need to deal with. You know, if they weren't lies, then we wouldn't worry about it, would we? We, we could just wait until the will was read, and then and everything would be hunky-dory, as they say. But the truth is that Dad doesn't like the idea of retirement, and retirement um, is, a, is a kind of a taboo word. In, in agriculture. And so we've got to call it something different. I like to think of dad moving from the CEO position to the chairman of the board position. Your siblings really do care. Uh, a very good um, uh, lawyer once said to me, uh, blood might be thicker than water, but it's not thicker than money. And it's, it's valid. I'm speaking with Bob Tosh, who is part of MNP's Farm Management Consulting Group, talking about farm transition planning. Every family farm is unique, which is also a challenge because there's no template for a plan. But for a farmer who built this operation, Bob, it's really personal. Now throw into the mix that the family is, uh, that you have some that are actively involved in the farm, family that comes home to run a combine in the fall, then goes back to their day job, and then children that like to come home and visit and aren't involved at all. So then it becomes a matter of fair versus equal. So you understand that fairness and the term fair is a perspective. 
and so everyone has their own perspective of what fair is. And so if you try and focus on a fair outcome, you're going to probably de disappoint somebody because everyone's version of a fair outcome will be different. And, you know, we can run an experiment where I'll give you a scenario and say, what do you think the fair answer is? And I'll get five different answers to that scenario. And everyone will have a valid reason for why they think that their outcome is fair. You know, when we look at our children and we talk about this, this idea of, of who is involved and who isn't, and we use that as a tool for measuring fair, you can, you, you can already see that there's all sorts of uh, things you can run into. For example, did everyone get fair opportunity? Yeah, we might have um, two children working on the farm and two not, but did the ones who aren't working on the farm have the same opportunity? Were they younger siblings? Were they female siblings? Were they, um, did they have allergies? Did, you know, so there's all sorts of things that say, well, well, you know, maybe there's a good reason why those kids aren't on the farm or don't want to be on the farm. Does that necessarily mean that they should be disinherited? And that's a key question. And uh, obviously the challenge with farming is that it's very capital uh, rich but cash poor. So it's not something that's easily divided out and everyone gets their piece and, and walks away. And, it, and so you can see again that, that farming kids probably need some level of preference in order for this thing to succeed. And the challenge is, you know, you've got the spectrum. Farming kid gets all versus all kids get an equal share. And you, you know yourself that probably the right answer is somewhere in the middle of that. But how do we get there? And so the trick, if, it, if you want to call it a trick, is to stop focusing on outcomes and focus on process. So process, did we offer a fair process? And that means that all family members should have an opportunity to be involved in the decision. If I can just interrupt for a minute, Bob, um, in your experience, who is more concerned about this process, the money side of it? Is it the farm kids or the non-farm kids? I think I've got to be um, honest and say that there's, a, there's a, uh, a, a culture that thinks that non-farming kids are the greedy ones and non-farming kids are the ones with entitlement issues. And I actually don't find that. If I'm honest, it's more likely to be the farming kids who are in who feel entitled and the farming kids who are a little more um, concerned about you know what they should get and and what the will should say. So you know we've got to be careful that we don't paint non-farming kids as, as these kind of money grabbing. Uh, unemotional, um, don't care about what the outcome looks like so long as I get my share attitude. I, I very, very, very rarely find that. Um, and so, so, yeah, I think it's 
it's not don't worry about your brothers and sisters, but do understand that they do have concerns, they do have a voice, they don't want to see their home go to um, an older brother who then gets divorced or gets uh, or loses it or um, or passes away unexpectedly and all of a sudden a sister-in-law they never liked has the farm they grew up on. So they've got some valid concerns in this. They want to make sure their parents are looked after. Oftentimes they want to be able to go home and have Christmas at home and these are all things that, that they want to have some input on. You know, it's one of the lies. And then obviously the last one is this one day all of this will be yours. So I want you to keep working for nothing. So it's like the, the, this carrot that's dangling in front of you and, you know, you look at yourself and you're 45 years old with a family and you have no equity and just this promise that you've been working for. And that's not reasonable. Farm Transition Specialist Bob Tosh. After the break, Vanessa Stockbroker shares some tips for getting control of your finances. Digging into the topics that matter to you. The AgriPod with Alice McFarlane. Financial educator and coach Vanessa Stockbroker is here to discuss the financial stresses that are inevitably a part of any farming operation. Vanessa, you've always been interested in finance, but I also find it interesting that you also come from a farming background. So I actually grew up in Saskatchewan on a farm near Watson, Saskatchewan, and I, I then went to the University of Regina and got my business degree in finance. And uh, as I was in the business program, I became very interested in finance and looked at different career options. And that actually took me to Toronto, where I was an investment banker in Toronto and Calgary for 10 years. And, um, and I really enjoyed that career, and I always spent time um, thinking about how I could evolve that career into something else that was more on the personal finance side. And um, so then a few years ago, after I'd stayed home with my daughters and they were back in school, then I started the company Women Sense because I saw a need for individuals, in particular women, but more and more I'm working with couples too, who really, I want to help them build their financial confidence. And, and build their education, their knowledge in a very non-intimidating and um, more layman terms type of environment where it can be, I do not sell any products, I don't sell any investment products. So it's purely on the education component and helping people feel more confident taking action in their financial life. So that's what Women's Sense is about. It's a financial education and coaching company. And I work with uh, individuals and couples across, across Canada. Vanessa, money can bring a lot of relief, but also a great deal of stress, especially on a farming operation. I'd like you to talk about financial mindfulness. This is something that you've mentioned in your presentation, and just explain uh, what you mean by that. Yeah, where I come up with financial mindfulness is that idea that we are very intentional about making our finances a priority. And I think we often think in terms of how we make money, how we earn money, but we don't always spend that same amount of energy in what we do with it and and time and really looking at the different options. And so to me, financial mindfulness is really saying, you know what, my finances are a priority. If I don't make them a priority, no one else is going to. 
And so I'm going to educate myself. I'm going to make very strategic decisions where it comes to spending my money, saving my money, investing my money, um, how I use debt. Instead of it being more of just something that happens, we're very intentional and we have a plan. And, and it's true. I mean, money is, what, is the number one stress in Canada. And I'm sure in this type of environment, that's, it's even more so. Um, but the whole idea is not about the amount of money we have, but actually our feelings of power and control over it. And so having a plan, preparing for the unexpected, feeling that we have things in order is actually what's going to bring us financial satisfaction. It's not just having more money. Um, and that's where a lot of the stress then can be removed is by having that plan in place and knowing that you can withstand some bumps along the way. So how do you go about the process of deciding if you should be saving your money, spending it, or maybe paying down debt? Because we know on the farm there is a lot of debt. Well, it's really about looking at each one of these individually. Um, and, and something that I, I focus on is having a money strategy and the three steps to developing a money strategy. And the first one is knowing where we're at today. Step one is clarity in our current financial position. And, and that really is our net worth statement. So that tells us what is our debt? What, what do we have for savings? Um, so we have this starting point to know then, well, what should we be changing? Do we need to change something? Step two is saying, well, what decisions are we making that are impacting our current financial position? And this gets into the spending decision. What are our goals? What are our, um, what's our income? All of these are impacting what our current situation, financial situation is. And then third step to the money strategy is taking action, saying, well, how will I change this now that I know where I'm at, what I'm doing, the habits, the actions I'm taking right now, how that's impacting me and my position, financial position. How would I change that? How can I move closer to where I want to be? And that really helps then in determining, um, first of all, on the spending side, I, I have clients work through where do they spend their money and knowing what your household burn rate is because it needs to be financed, whether it's on or off the farm. Um, how, how can you change your spending? And I'm all about control over it. Where do you have control? What are the things that are quite fixed that you can't change? So that's on the spending side. Then on the saving side, in order to repay debt, um, you know, it's a balance of making sure you have an emergency fund, you have cash available, and making sure that you are investing or saving your money where you're earning a return instead of letting it sit there versus maybe you could repay debt and automatically be earning that return because you're paying off an interest rate that you're automatic, that is costing you something. And on the repaying debt side, um, I, I mean, I think it's important to look at your own mindset around debt and what you're comfortable with but then looking at the cost of the debt that you have, um, comparing that to what's the return you could get elsewhere. Maybe it is better to repay debt in that instance, um, having a very strategic plan for how this debt will be repaid and, and even categorizing the different types of debt that you have and which one are you going to focus on first. Um, for farmers in particular, is this tax deductible debt? Where is the debt? Is it in the business, in the farm? Is it in the household? Uh, and looking at those types of considerations. Um, so it's one of those things where you, you make a choice with the money we earn and we really have three choices. We can spend it, we can save it, or we can repay debt. 
Vanessa Stockburger is our guest, and we're talking about taking control of our own financial situation. So, Vanessa, there are some specific challenges on the farm. One in particular that I think of is uh, usually there's more than one family involved, and that offers some very specific challenges. Well, absolutely. I mean, money and communication are, and talking about money is an issue, let's face it, even within a family unit. It's not, and so then you've even complicated it when you have maybe multiple families or generations farming, and if there's not the money talk happening. And so firstly, I think it's important within the household, I'm a big proponent of having spouses communicate about money so that everyone's on the same page. And instead of maybe one person making the day-to-day decisions, um, the other one making longer-term financial decisions, that everyone is working together on that front. And so same, too, when you have more than one operator in the farm, um, I think it's very important to, talk, to communicate. And, and I'd say the areas in, in to look at are what are your objectives, what are your goals for the farm, what is the, the growth expectations in the farm and reinvestment, right? And, and what's the lifestyle that each of the partners want? And that can be very different. And I think the more that you talk about that and people are aware of that, the easier you can work around that. Um, and even talking about the involvement from the labor aspect to maybe someone's more on the financial management and, and managing marketing, for example, and one person is more hands-on in the field or with the operations. So understanding that position that you're in within the farm um, and for sure having the conversation. I think regular meetings are important. Um, personally, my husband and I are involved um, with the farm, even with my brothers, and because um, we have our own land. But we also help them with some of their decision-making. We can be independent advisors to them to help them talk through some different things because we're, we're removed from that. So while there are some unique situations when you're running a farm, it really comes down to uh, running it like any other business and uh, trying to keep the personal stuff separate but running the business itself. You know, on the farming side, that I think it's even more important. I think someone making a biweekly salary can sometimes get away with a bit more fiscal mismanagement, if you want to call it that, or kind of just taking your foot off the gas and letting it manage itself. But I, I believe that uh, the message is the same, if not maybe stronger, for anyone that has their own business. And, and you know, that is farming, where there is an uncertainty that there's a lot of other risks that you're taking on. And so making sure that you're managing the money to be able to fund the household, sustain the household, um, and have that buffer set up, making those good decisions with your money is so important because you you have to prepare for a difference in years and, and crops or, or in your agribusiness. Um, so I would just say it's even amplified. So, Vanessa, there are a lot of other, a lot of options out there when it comes to uh, saving and investing. How in the world do you wade through all of that? Because there are so many that are out there. <laughs> well, there are. And, and I think it can become, well, I know it can become overwhelming. And I would say the one thing on the saving side is that when, 
What I see a lot of is that there will be savings and it could be a significant amount of money because maybe there was a, a sale of an asset or for whatever reason, there's built up cash that maybe you want to keep low risk, but then it might sit there not earning a return. And I just see it way too often. And even though we're in a very low interest rate environment right now, I really encourage people that if you have a lump sum amount of money sitting there, that yes, you might need in some somewhat in the near future, say within the next three to 12 months, that you still look to earn some type of return because I want people to get into the habit of that. Because we can't borrow money for free. We should not have our money sitting there earning no return. So there's options there. A high interest savings account is, the great tool to use. And I really encourage clients to, to make that move or talk to their institution to just look at what their options are to get a higher interest rate, a higher return. And then on the investing side, yeah, I mean, I, I love that part of personal finance. And of course, we, I could talk for a long time on that, but there are multiple options. But, you know, I think that's where people can get a little bit overwhelmed and they feel like they could do something wrong or that it has to be more complicated than it actually has to be. And I am a big advocate for simple when it comes to investing. I think there's, there's some basic conventions that I want people to think about, their risk, their timeline, fees that they're paying. But you know, if you, if you don't understand what it is, then it's probably more complicated than it needs to be. Um, but I, I love to help people understand what the questions are that they should be asking so that they make sure that they understand what they're actually investing, what they're investing in. And it doesn't have to be complicated. So the bottom line is control your money so it doesn't control you. Yeah, that's a great, great analogy. Yeah. It, and having that um, ability to feel that you are the one deciding where that money goes and that you are the one in charge. Um, and it's very powerful. And that is where there's, there's less stress and a feeling of empowerment. Vanessa Stockbroker is the founder of Women's Sense, a financial education and coaching company. And that's this week's episode of AgriPod, a look at two of my favorite interviews over the past year and a half. If you like what you've heard, you can rate and review wherever you get your podcasts and make sure to subscribe to AgriPod with Alice McFarland for more weekly episodes. The AgriPod is produced by Colby Heiss with host and CJVR Agriculture Director Alice McFarlane and is a division of the Jim Pattison Broadcast Group. Available wherever you find your favorite podcast and at farmnewsnow.com.